I had a chance to talk with some of the Arizona State coaches yesterday, and, you know, I just got to share it with you guys. So let's get into it on this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. You are Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Richie Bradshaw and I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. As always, thank you guys for tuning in and a special shout out to my everydayers who are here every day. Wherever you're getting your podcast, hit like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you get an update whenever we post new content. And stay in touch with that content by following me on Twitter at RichieBrads36 and the podcast at LO underscore Sun Devils. Guys, before we get started, you all have helped me reach over 500 subscribers on YouTube. And to say that I am overwhelmed would be an understatement. To know that over 500 of you were coming to me for your Arizona State Sun Devils coverage, it's it's so humbling, it's so amazing. And I just wanted to thank you guys at the top of the pod for giving me this platform and giving me this opportunity to share my thoughts and share my beliefs about this team, my analysis, my everything about this team, my passion, all of it. You guys have given me this platform. I could not do it without you. And I just thank you guys so, so much for helping me get to 500. The best is yet to come. I promise you guys, it's just going to continue to be great content. So with that being said, yesterday, The media was given access to talk to the assistant coaches at Arizona State. I was able to talk to six coaches in my time there before, you know, everything ran out. I had six quality interviews with guys. I did three offensive coaches, two defensive coaches, and then assistant coach Charlie Raggle. Today, we will be looking at the offensive coaches because this is already going to be a very long episode as I get into the the details of these conversations i will not be like what what's the word this is going to be direct quotes i'm not going to be paraphrasing that's the word i'm looking for we won't be paraphrasing so we're going to be taking a look as you guys can see on the right hand side of the screen if you're on youtube if you're not on youtube we will be going through offensive coordinator bo baldwin we will be talking to running backs coach sean aguano and wide receivers coach rashad sample so let's go ahead and start off with with the biggest fish here, and that is, of course, Bo Baldwin. Now, when I was sitting down with him, I actually had the opportunity to sit next to Tim Healy, and I was a little bit starstruck, I'm not going to lie to you, but a lot of what Tim was asking him was what I wanted to get to ask uh, ask Bo myself. So a lot of the questions were already answered for me, and by the time that I had some questions for him, you know, I really didn't have that much, but We started off, I asked him where he is expecting to be this year, if he's going to be on the field, if he's going to be up in the booth. He said that he will be up in the booth more than likely. The one thing that he highlighted was that he feels it's the most advantageous, is the word he used for for the team. He noted that with Kenny Dillingham being an offensive-minded coach, that it it it, it would just make more sense for them to basically be one up in the booth, one on the field, and they would be in communication and whatnot. So 
As far as where Baldwin is going to be, he is going to be in the booth more than likely. Now, the first thing that I was able to sit down and listen to, they were talking about Jaden Rashada, which of course is going to be one of the biggest talking points of the entire month of August as we get ready to head into into, uh, the start of the 2023 season. So when asked about Jaden Rashada, this is what Bo Baldwin had to say. He said, Jaden is ultra competitive. He's really hard on himself. You appreciate that, right? Because he's harder on himself than I am on him. He's got a little bit of that perfection switch. It's a fine line because when you want to have that, you you also don't want to have, you, you also don't want to paralyze with feeling like because you have your energy is frustration, but not solution-based, you're going to stay in that frustration. But I appreciate the fact that things bug you. He cares. I really like this. I like that Jaden is a perfectionist. I like that you have a true freshman that's coming in as 18-year-old. I believe Jaden is 18. He might be 19. But he's coming into this year as somebody who's looking for being the absolute best he can be and pushing himself to be the best quarterback possible as a perfectionist. But it's also you know, hand in hand with making sure that it doesn't affect your mental psyche and making sure that it doesn't get you to a point where you're bringing yourself down and you're not uplifting yourself because it's also, it's not, it's not just about being hard on yourself to be better. It's also about knowing that if you are too hard on yourself, it's going to affect, affect that mental psyche of yours. And it's going to get into that mindset of like, man, I just, I can't do anything right. I can't be as good as I want to be. And it starts to bring your play down. So as far as that goes, this is definitely a quarterback in Jaden Rashada that is more interested in being the best he can possibly be than really worrying about the other competition that's going on. From what from what he was describing it, it definitely seems like Rashada is more focused on himself than he is any of the outside noise, which is great news, especially when you think about all the all the politics that went into his journey through recruitment and everything. The next thing he talked about was the offensive line. Now, it's no secret I've been a little bit more critical on the offensive line than anybody else, but here's what Bo Baldwin had to say when he was talking about it. He said, I love them. Coach Saga does an incredible job. He gets them playing as a unit. That's the key to O-line. It's not always the best five players. It's can the offensive line play as a unit. He gets them acting like a unit. He gets them knowing the importance of brotherhood. They play as a unit. They move as a unit. That's what the best O-lines do. Love to hear it. For, For somebody like me who is skeptical of the offensive line, to know that your offensive coordinator and your offensive line coach are committed to this unit is what you want to hear. And in fairness to Isaiah Glass, I feel like I mispronounced that. It is not Isaiah Glass, which I've been pronouncing wrong the whole time. So, Mr. Glass, my apologies. I believe it is Isaiah, and I will double-check to make sure I am correct on that. But, you know, for for the, the left tackle that he needs to be, Glass is going to have to continue to build upon himself, and this is definitely a scheme that could very much benefit him because it's going to be a fast-paced offense that gets the ball out in two to three seconds, and that's going to give him an opportunity to really begin to anchor the offensive line. They seem very confident in him. 
they seem confident in the rest of the guys. And one more thing I wanted to add here is that Bo Baldwin said, I think we're too deep. He mentions that it's not just about getting the best five on the field and that it's about getting guys that will play as a unit and complement each other and bring out the best in each other and understand everybody's individual assignments and what they need to do to be the best players that they can be. It's not just about getting like the five best guys on the field, which could be three offensive tackles, a guard and a center. Like that's not necessarily what they want. They want the guys who are going to be able to play together and have that chemistry together. That's what they're looking for. And then the compliment on them being too deep. That's really interesting to me that they really like what's going on there. So Obviously, you've got guys that are coming back like Joey Ramos and Isaiah Glass, but then you've got transfers coming in. Lee Fontanu, uh, you've got Aaron Frost that's coming in. You've got some freshmen that are coming in. The, there's there's other guys that are returning as well. Ben Bray is back. Like Looking at that offensive line, on paper, there definitely is a lot of depth. It's just how much of that is like top-end talent is what I wonder, but they seem to be really bought into it. Next up, they talked about Xavier Guillory. He said, and th- this was mainly on his feet, he said he's not one of those spandex Olympic guys. X, which apparently is going to be a thing this year, we got another X player, X Valade last year. This year it's going to be X Guillory. He said X is that guy talking about the football speed. He says he carries that speed because of the strength on the football field. So interesting, but not a total surprise because in practice we – in, in the spring practices, we got to see Guillory has a little bit of those legs on him and that that speed to be able to break away and be that potential deep threat. We'll talk about him a little later with Rashad Samples as well. Looking at the quarterbacks, he said, there's zero excuse not to move the ball and have success no matter who the quarterback is. So whether it's Borgay, whether it's Pine, whether it's Rashada, Bo Baldwin is expecting that with everything that they have, that this is going to be a team that is going to be able to put together their best offensive production. Last thing we talked about, uh, talking about those all Pac-12 snubs for the preseason teams. I asked him if this is something that is bulletin board material for the team. He did mention this isn't going to be like actually hanging stuff up, but here's here's what he told me. He said, it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of that, to have that chip, but you have to be intrinsically motivated anyways. If you're always counting on external things to drive you, then what happens when they do start giving you all that love? To me, no matter what's happening outside, that you have to stay intrinsically motivated. Your motivation shouldn't change. I think it's easier to get them fired up and motivated this year with that. This is such a... It's funny. When he was talking, he said, I don't want to get too philosophical, but this truly is something that is what you want to hear from the aspect of making sure that you guys aren't going to be motivated one moment and then lose that same motivation when they start giving you those props. Because if if we're being honest, these are guys that I've been hyping up. Elijah Badger, Jalen Conyers. These are guys that I'm saying by the end of the year, we're going to talk about them as one of the best tight ends in the nation, one of the best receivers in the conference. Being those kind of guys, by the end of the year, are you going to lose that motivation? Are you going to be taking that step back because it's like, oh, I got first team all pack 12. You know, I've proven everything I need to prove. Like you don't want to see that end up coming out from your players. You want them to continue to be motivated no matter what. 
So that was definitely a comment he made that really stood out to me uh, amongst everything else that he talked about that I was able to sit in on. That was something that I really liked and something that almost motivated me as well was talking about, you know, you cannot rely on outside sources. You have to be, as he said, intrinsically motivated to know that this has to be an ongoing process and this needs to be something that is going to continue to drive you. You can't just rely on everybody else around you being that being that force that drives you to be the best that you can possibly be. You need to continue to be that regardless. Thank you guys for joining me. I got to talk to you real quick about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster. I know that it's really easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn. You can do it so, so quickly. Less than five minutes, you can take care of this. And once you add your job, put the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions can make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering qualified hires compared to their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college post your job for free terms and conditions will apply make sure that you tune into tomorrow's show as we go over the defensive coaches who i was able to talk to we will be able to really dive into detail on that like i said make sure that you guys are tuned in tomorrow for that one looking at the next coach here with sean aguano sean of course, was the interim head coach for the team in in last last year. He was able to get two wins out of the team, including a big win over Washington. He truly was able to rally the troops and get them to buy back into the program when everything was starting to go down the tube. So really appreciated what Sean Aguano was able to do for the team. And I got to sit down and talk to him one-on-one. So the first thing I asked him about was my dude, Javen Jacobs. I had to. Like, there, there's no way I can not talk about one of my dudes heading into this year. So when I asked him about Jacobs, this is what he had to say. He said, I was worried about his transition and his mindset coming over from when he was a wide receiver to a running back, but there wasn't a change in mindset. He was fortunate for him that he got a lot of reps to show what he can do, referring to spring practices. He's going to have a package out of the backfield because he's one of our best receivers out of the backfield. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. And then being in the return game, he's worked his butt off. Biggest takeaway. He's going to have a package out of the backfield. What have I been saying this offseason? I've said Javen Jacobs could be your best receiver, and he's one of those guys that you're just going to want to use out of the backfield or split him out wide or anything like that and get creative with him. And Sean Aguano confirms that. Sean Aguano has confirmed that Javen Jacobs is going to have a special role with the team. Now, this doesn't mean that he's going to be on the field for 50, 60% of the snaps, but it does mean that Jacobs is going to get some opportunities when number eight goes onto the football field, that he's going to have those, those routes and those plays that are designed, des- designed to get the ball to him. Love to see that. 
love to know that Arizona State's offense is going to implement special packages in order to get Javen Jacobs more involved. Talking about the comparisons to DJ Foster, Sean Aguano went on and said he's a playmaker. He's going to make plays in space. He's still learning the game, but he has, in spring, come a long ways. He's competing in that room with a lot of talent, with a lot of good talent. I never worry about Javen because he comes out every day to compete. He's a professional the way he goes about things. He had also mentioned that he really feels like that's a good comparison for him. And it's hard not to make that comparison when you play at the same high school, when you play at the same college, when you have the same role on an offense as a receiver running back hybrid, when you wear number eight. It's just, it, it's so easy to make that comparison. And Sean Aguano giving him that praise really says everything that you need to know about that. Talking about the transfer, Sean Aguano said, I'm excited. They're tough guys that have maturity because they played a lot of college football. The Carlos Brooks and, and Scadabo both played at a high level. They're tough to tackle. They're physical guys. They joined a room with a guy that I think has the most potential in Tevin White. He will be brought along. I'm excited about that room. One of the other things that he noted was Arizona State has had a lot of success with transfer running backs over the last handful of years with Eno Benjamin coming from Iowa with Rashad White coming from Majuco with uh, X Valade coming from Wyoming. So Arizona State has had a lot of practice in getting the most out of their transfer running backs. And he feels that with the experience that Brooks and Scadabo have, that they could really fit into the offense and be able to bring out the best in each other. But he did mention Tevin White, and I had to follow up and ask him about that. On Tevin White, he says he knows that it's a process from a maturity level but I never question his ability and the want to be good. He knows from a maturity level that he has to go get it. And how violently can I run? How well can I be productive in space? It's a process, but I'm excited for him because I think he has the biggest upside and he doesn't even got, he hasn't even gotten close to reaching his potential. It's easy to forget that Tevin White was a four-star prospect coming out of high school and one of the better recruits that Herm Edwards was able to get in his tenure, Arizona State being to hold on to him after there's a new change in the coaching staff, really big for them. And knowing that they are going to be able to hold on to Tevin White with a guy that, you know, Sean Aguano says that he's got the most potential in the room. He said that and iterated that a couple of times. This is the guy that he feels is going to be a superstar. That's the way I interpreted it based off of what he's saying about the most talented guy in the room. We're really hoping for that, but obviously he really likes his transfer guys as well. Asked him about what the approach is going to be heading into the year. Aguano said, I think in the beginning, we're going to take a committee approach. After probably a quarter of the way through, we'll find out who that bell cow is, who's available, who's the most productive with their quality touches. I don't think you can make it through the Pac-12 gauntlet with only one or two backs. You need three or four. But he, talking about Scadabo, has proven this spring to be a juggernaut in that room. Not only is he a short yard runner, but he has the lateral quickness. And what people don't understand is he's one of the best receivers out of the backfield, but he's a tough kid. And I think he's going to be highly productive in that room. Going on and talking about the quarterbacks and how they're going to play a role in the, in the offense and with the running backs because they're able to move around and they're not statues in the pocket. Aguano said, I think because those guys are so in tune with that scheme, 
that it'll be a lot of running. It'll take a lot of the running backs. It'll it'll take a lot off the running backs. Terrible notes here because they can make unscheduled plays. A lot of the times when you look at college football, that a lot of the unscheduled plays are the big plays. If you can get out of it, they're all athletic enough to get out of it. I think as as a primary runner, that's not going to be their game. But they're athletic enough to make those unscheduled plays and make plays down the field so it'll take away from the running back side of it. They can take those balls to the running backs and give and give plays to them. So talking about those last two points. So love that they're going to go to a committee approach when you have so many guys in the backfield to get the ball to with Scadabo, with Brooks, with White, with uh with everybody else that's in the room. Want to be able to divvy up those carries and give everybody an opportunity. Talking about the quarterbacks, none, none of these guys are statues in the pocket. You know, Borgay is a very good athlete who can move around. And the same with Drew Pine. These guys can move around the pocket and, like, like Coach said, make those unscripted plays and those improvisations out of the backfield. They're not necessarily dual threats, but these are guys that can do those unscheduled plays. And Jaden Rashada is also a very athletic quarterback who could be a really good runner. But at, at, at the end of the day, these are these are guys that can make those, like Coach said, unscheduled plays. And that's really going to be able to be a big beneficiary for the team. Finally, asked him about the expectations here. He said, what is their commitment level to be good? Do they come out every single day to be professional and finish the practice and caring about the next practice? I want to see how well they commit to the season and commit to their team more than just themselves. I have the same vision as Coach Dillingham, and we want to play as a football team, and he's worked very hard at that bonding part of it. If we do so, we'll be ready to go. Our expectations are high. This is what you want to hear from your coach, is knowing that the expectations for this group are not small, and he wants them to really be tuned in, and he wants them to be ready to commit to a level that's higher than themselves and know that there's going to be some expectations from this team in the ground game to help motivate and power the offense. He's got the high expectations. All his players have high expectations as well. The bottom line here, this is definitely what you were hoping to hear from your offensive or uh, your running backs coach talking about guys that could be very important to the offense. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Tune in tomorrow as we take a look at the defensive side of the ball and go over the coaches that I got to interview there, as well as assistant head coach Charlie Raggle. You won't want to miss it. Talking the last guy that I spoke with, Rashad Samples, wide receivers coach from a Texas background. Naturally, that was the first thing I had to ask him about. I asked him about the Texas recruiting. I said, you know, what's the secret? How are you getting these guys out here for the hashtag Texas to Tempe pipeline? He said, end quote, it's about the trust and the reputation we built there. We've been signing kids and building relationships. He also had talked about how him and Coach Brian Carrington, the defensive backs coach, have backgrounds in Texas and that this was something that really helped them. Back to quotes here. The kids we recruited in the past and maintaining relationships. It helps us bring some success here with the same type of guys that we've recruited and signed our entire careers. We're going to continue the Texas to Tempe pipeline. I want to stay in Arizona. The guys we're going to sign from Texas over the next two or three years 
are going to have a chance to build this roster up with a lot of talent. The biggest takeaway. I want to stay in Arizona. That's what I want. I do not want Rashad Samples going anywhere else because he can recruit his you-know-what off. He can coach these kids up. This is already a very talented room that they've been able to bring in talent through the transfer portal. He is one of the guys that I want to be a staple of this team in the Kenny Dillingham era. And knowing that this is the exact same thing that Rashad Samples wants, chef's kiss. But then also talking about the recruiting, knowing that he said that over the next two to three years, they're going to build this roster up with talent. They're going to continue the hashtag Texas to Tempe train trend. They're going to continue to recruit in Texas, prove that they've got the track record for bringing these Texas kids to success at the variety of programs that both Coach Samples and Coach Carrington have been at. Having that established validity and that that overall sense of What's the word I'm looking for? I'll, I'll I'll think of it in just a minute. But what I'm trying to say is like these kids know who these guys are. They know that they have a successful track record and they're going to be able to help get the most out of these guys. So really, really like those comments that he made. Talking about the wide receiver room, he said the competition is what you're going to see from every guy. Going into fall camp, everyone is vying for a spot and competing for a spot. Every single day matters and the details matter. It's going to be exciting to constantly see those guys competing and who can bring consistency to camp and carry it into the season. We talked a lot about all the depth that is at the wide receiver spot and how he mentioned it's not just about Elijah Badger, but it's also about, you know, X Guillory. It's about uh, Jordan Tyson. It's about Giovanni Sanders, Mel Constaval, Jake Smith. He, he highlighted Jake Smith, too, as somebody he's really excited for. So keep an eye on Jake Smith. Talking about Jordan Tyson, I brought him up. Uh, he said it's it's going to be really exciting to see his potential. What he was able to do as a true freshman, he's going to bring some talent. He did not specify where he's at with the injuries, and he's not allowed to. So not so much worried about that, but he did mention that he's out jogging. He's out on the field, which is a great sign to see from a guy who had season-ending surgery uh, a little over halfway through his freshman year. One of the interesting little nuggets was that he said that Tyson is, quote, a year too young. He said he should be a senior in high school, but he was able to get onto a uh, a college program a little early. So he's a younger dude, and he said he's grown an inch from when he last played. So Jordan Tyson, who last year, I got I to gotta pull this up. Last year measured in at six foot two. He said he's grown an inch. So... He is six foot three, according to Coach Samples. That's really, really cool. And I hope that that is actually the case. And that's not your classic uh, uh, college height because Jalen Strong and Nikhil Harry were six five at ASU and they got to the pros and they were like six three or even a little bit shorter than that. It's just funny. So hopefully he actually is a true six three. But the bottom line is he did talk about him being a deep threat. He noted uh, there's multiple deep threats on the team. He said it's not just Tyson. It's Jake Smith. It's Troy O'Mare. It's X Guillory. He really likes all the guys that they have there and feels that they can all bring that kind of element to the table. I asked him if they're preparing for 
quarterbacks in like different ways that they're going to be adapting their style for Trenton Bourget versus Drew Pine versus Jaden Rashada. He said, no, he said, and quote, we're not preparing differently for anybody. We're just trying to be masters of our craft and go out every day and make sure we are prepared to do our job. We have a job to do as a receiver group and a receiving room. And to make sure that when our number is called, we could care less who's out there. We need to make a play. So knowing that you're not going to be adjusting for any of these quarterbacks, to me, that speaks volumes about the way he wants to coach these kids and the way he wants to get the most out of them and know that it doesn't matter if Jaden Rashad is playing quarterback. It doesn't matter if Drew Pine, it doesn't matter if Trenton Borgay is under center. We have a job to do. We need to get open. We need to block. We need to be able to catch the football and make plays. The bottom line here from what Samples is telling me is we don't care who's throwing us the ball. We just need to make sure that we're making their life easier. And I asked him about Elijah Badger as well, getting a little more specific here. I said, you know, Elijah Badger kind of shorted on those all those preseason all Pac-12 teams. You know, what what were you telling him about it? And I thought this was really funny. He said, I joked with him and I said, you know who was preseason all conference? He said, who? I said, me. And I didn't play a snap all season. That, that is the kind of relationship that you want is coach to be able to joke around with you, but also motivate you at the same time and say, hey, man, you weren't you weren't all preseason, but I was. How does that make you feel? I didn't even play. And I got to be preseason all conference. You weren't. What are you going to do about that? And it, he motivates him. He says uh, he said that Badger, quote, has a chip on his shoulder and feels he has something to prove this year. He's been sitting in meetings and communicating. I'm excited to see where he can go from here. I think he wants to be the best he can be. He wants top five receiving stats in the conference and one of the best seasons at ASU. As long as he can come out to work every single day, ask questions, pay attention and practice, the sky's the limit. He wants one of the best seasons in Arizona State Sun Devils history at the wide receiver spot. He wants to be up there with the John Jeffersons and the Sean McDonald's and the Nikhil Harry's, the Brandon Ayuk's, the Jalen Strong's of Arizona State, the Derek Hagan's. Like he wants to be that guy. I don't think you could be any more excited about a dude saying that he wants to be that kind of receiver than what Badger is telling you right there. What Badger is communicating to Rashad Samples and that Coach Samples is saying the sky's the limit for this kid. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for these guys that you know you're going to be able to find those find those diamonds in the rough. I asked him about Melcon Saval too, because if there's one guy that no one's really talking about, it's Saval, and I've been guilty of that. I don't talk about him as much as everybody else, but I had to ask him. I, I asked him, you know, no one's talking about him. What do you think? He said, Melcon's a confident guy who comes in every single day, called him Mr. Consistent. He's going to find a role. He's going to find a way onto the field. He's going to find a way to make plays. All he, all he's done is going to, or all he's done is going to show up out there and show up. Mel Constaval is a very forgotten about player. And looking at the guys that I said, you're sleeping on just, uh, just a few days ago. I'm actually upset that I didn't include Stavall. I talked about a lot of the guys on the offense, but I didn't talk about Stavall. Stavall is definitely going to have a much bigger role in this offense than we realize. And as a slot player, 
he's going to have a role incorporated for him. And knowing that coach is calling him Mr. Consistent as a guy who goes out there to be his best every single time, that's what you're looking for from these kids. You're looking for the kids that have that drive, that have that motivation, that have the the want to be on the field and get out there because it is a deep depth chart. And there is a lot, a lot, a lot of talent in the wide receiver room. So knowing that Melcon is going to be motivated to get onto the field is what you want to see. Last thing that I asked him, I said, what are we doing with the freshman? He said, expect the freshman to play on special teams. Makes sense when you think about how much veteran talent is here for the Sun Devils. Expect the freshman to be on special teams. They'll be developed slowly. But that was everything I got to ask the coaches. I did, of course, ask them, is there anyone who got circled on their calendar? All of them said, nope. We're taking it week by week. That's what you want. You don't necessarily want one game circled week by week is what they said. That was a lot of fun to be able to talk to them. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking to the uh, defensive coaches I was able to talk to, as well as special teams coach, Charlie Raggle. Make sure that you guys tune in. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. If you're on YouTube, hit that button. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Thank you guys for helping me get the 500 subscribers on YouTube. It's it's totally surreal to me to know that there's that many people that care about my opinion. But, you know, I really appreciate you guys. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at RichieBrads36 and the podcast at LO underscore Sun Devils. Again, thank you guys so much. We're going to wrap it up here. I'll see you guys tomorrow for the defensive coaches. Until then, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Devils.